0: Listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things Brown and Gold.
1: Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome, to Hawks Insiders. Our match review pod following the round nine loss by 50, fifty-four points to melbourne at the mcg um it was hawthorn 7749 melbourne fifteen thirteen one hundred and three. i am joined by my friends and colleagues and co-hosts here at hawks insiders darren levine hello
2: hey ash yeah it was um not the best day at the footy uh yesterday we we're recording this uh 24 hours after and um but interestingly, I rewatched the game today and was not as bad as I thought watching it at the ground, actually. So maybe a few more positives today than if I recorded this last night.
1: Well, we look forward to sharing those with you. A rosier outlook than I anticipated already. This is, we are
0: going great guns. Danny Prince, hello. Not sharing the same optimism as, uh, as my co-host, uh, Mr. Levine, but good to be here and always good to talk about the Hawks.
1: Uh, good to have everyone here. Um, I'm looking forward to Optimism because I told Danny this off-air. I, I uh, had to take a phone call on a family matter for about 10 minutes in the third quarter and missed all the excitement. I was at the ground and I had to sit in the stairwell making having a family conversation for 10 minutes and missed the uh, first goal for uh, Weddle and uh, Mackenzie, So I might have to watch that third quarter again to see all the good bits again. As you said, not a particularly great day for the Hawks. It was all over, really. It was pretty self evident after five minutes that uh, this game would not be won. I mean, I think we all knew that going in. Had Melbourne kicked straight early. I think they had five points on the ball before they kicked their first goal. If that had been three or four goals earlier, it could have been at, at all-time slacking. but, uh, you know, it was a safe uh, nine-goal loss. Um, the Hawks uh, had, had uh, it was 386 to 389 disposals. They lost that by three. Hawthorne actually had 205 handballs to 165. Melbourne had the inside 50 dominant domination, no surprise, 66 to 41. Both teams went at 73% disposal efficiency. Melbourne 44% inside 50 compared to 37 from the Hawks. 14 free kicks to 10, doesn't happen very often. We used to keep it, we used to keep a log, I think, didn't we, back in the early days of uh, free kick count? So we don't do that anymore. that, that was a dropped the come. ball there. Dropped the ball there, oh, yeah. yes. Too busy keeping stats on a certain individual. Uh, hit outs 38 23. Melbourne's way, 20, which actually we'll talk a bit about Lloyd Meeker. He was uh, but did okay. Clearances 33 to 32. Settings of clearances 12 11. Stoppages 21 each. Melbourne had 14 more contested possessions. Turnovers, no surprise, 77 69. Hawthorne had more marks. Melbourne had. 105 to 72. Marks inside 50. This is a telling stat. 21 to 5. Contested marks 8 to 10. Melbourne's favour. In their possession, 79 69 in Melbourne's favour. Not surprisingly, Hawthorne did not leave for even one minute. Tackles 58 52, which when you're losing, at least you win the tackle count. That's an underrated stat in footy. It shows that the intent was there, if nothing else. um, And that is pleasing. Uh for the hawks. All right, we'll get into it. You know, the drill we go by player number order when I'm in charge. I know you guys like to mix it up, but too bad. Um, the boss is back, and that's the way we're going. And um, already I'm getting donuts on, the, on the, the AFL app. So bear with me while I go to the app. or something on the iPad, not working, but I'll. Keep talking amongst yourselves as I get to my trusted iPhone and hopefully that will work and it does. Okay, Harry Morrison. 16 disposals, 11-5, four marks, did not score a 59% in the defensive half. 16 disposals, as I said, two contested possessions, um, four turnovers, one intercept possession, one scoring involvement, um, 196 metres gained. My take on Harry Morrison, I've got two takes on Harry Morrison. Number one is that there was one brilliant piece of play on the outer wing, Darren. might have been where you were sitting that he was involved in the court, affected the turnover. But otherwise, just supporting Dave from Harry, we've talked a few times on various platforms that uh, we want to think that by come in the, the season, he's not Northland's best 23. He might That might happen sooner than expected. It's just He is... Becoming he's reminded me of a player who played for Hawthorne called um, Raiden Talis. Raiden Tallis was a good footballer for Hawthorne in some ordinary teams, and he was almost a bridging player between eras. And I'm getting some get the same vibes around Harry Morrison. Um Danny, me about his game.
0: Yeah, wasn't a fan. Um, I wasn't at the game. I've watched it back. Um, what we want from Harry is run, carry, and good ball use, and he's had 16 touches. He's had under 200 meters gained, and that's kind of normally his thing. He's gone at 62 and a half percent disposal efficiency, and he's one of only three players, two smaller players, to to not register a tackle for the Hawks on on Saturday evening. And I just think if you're that involved in the middle of the ground, if you are a midfielder or a wingman and you're in and around the ball, there is, there is no excuse to not lay a tackle. Um, Normally he uses it pretty well. He didn't today. And if he's not using the ball, well, uh, there's not a spot for him in the team. And um, yeah, I, I didn't like his game. I give him a four out of ten, um, and if it was up to me at the selection table this week, uh, he would be in one of a number of changes and one of a number of guys that didn't deserve to hold their spot um, from this week to next week.
1: Number two for the Hawks, Mitch Lewis. He had six disposals, three marks, three handballs, kicked a goal. Um, not to say too much more about it. Two contested possessions. He had. Um, Yes, three marks. One of those was a contested. He 100, 117 metres. Well, Mitch is, uh, you know, from all the excitement of his first game a few weeks ago for the season, he's starting to uh, get reacquainted with the realities of playing for a pretty poor team. A lot of the disposal in the forward line was ordinary.
2: Um, Daz, Mitch Lewis. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to play Mitch because the service into the forward 50 was absolutely deplorable. Something that I won't be positive about, um, you know. I, I just think he—I thought he would actually play better with Cozzy in the side. I think he's a bit of a, a bit of a Batman and Robin situation with those two. It, well, maybe in the past, but um, Tarzan and Jane. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> Ash—the long <laughs> run. But uh, I think um, I think it was—it's hard to judge that game from Mitch. He worked pretty hard at, at times. He was trying trying to win the footy himself and come up a bit higher. But yeah, just had shocking service all game and had one one good goal. Um, but yeah, very quiet day at the office for Mitch. And you know, it feels unfair to rate him because he, as as a key forward, you just you just your game is defined by the service that you get from the midfield and just they just kept kicking it to their intercept defenders. So I don't know. Daz is going, going to nuts, do this like, every week.
0: Daz does this every week. He comes on a player of ratings pod and, does and doesn't want to rate anybody.
2: Because because when I do rate people, I get shamed on Twitter for giving them too low a rating. Well, so does, it's, going, know, to be a, it's going to be a two to... for Mitch Lewis. Oh, <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a five. It's a five.
1: John Newcomb, number three for Hawthorne. Uh, 26 disposals being 11 and 15, four marks, four tackles, one goal, one. That was a goal in the last quarter based off a Hawthorne like turnover for Melbourne, which he took full advantage of, which was a source of great mirth amongst the few remaining Hawthorne supporters around where I was sitting. Um, 12 contested possessions, one turnover, four intercept possessions, six score involvements, um, he took one contested mark, 301 meters gained, six clearances, three centre clearances, and he had uh, four inside 50s, 15 centre bounce attendances. Interesting game in that the Melbourne players dominated the, the Melbourne's big three Petrarca, Oliver, and Viney were the three leading possession getters on the ground. Yet you you got the impression at the game, Danny, and Darren, you were there let me know what you think. Uh, the Hawthorne midfielders weren't disgraced by any stretch. Melbourne probably won the midfield, but the Hawthorne midfielders went okay.
0: And look, there's there is absolutely no disrespect to lose to a midfield unit of uh, Oliver, Petrarca, and Viney, is there? Like being fed by <laughs> Gorn and Grundy. Like um I, I was I was really impressed watching watching it from home. I, I thought that the the Hawk midfield unit um, were absolutely not disgraced, and look, they won clearances on the day. Um, they had a really good showing against the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago in the clearances too, um, and I think that's our one line all year, and we can that that can hold their head up high. That midfield unit, um, from where from how inexperienced and uh, young it is, just keeps showing up. And look, they're not the cleanest, they're not the slickest yet. But the signs are there. They're willing to roll their sleeves up and get dirty. And they win the hard ball and they often win the clearances. And I think that's that's huge for a Hawthorne team that hasn't won clearances for a number of years. And you know, Clarkson, when he was here, um, didn't rate center clearances. Um, early doors Mitchell last year, we got smashed in the clearances, but clearly something's changed. And um, you know, having these guys like Newcomb, Nash, Wapple, Day. Uh, come in and just rack them up is, uh, is really good to see. The next step is obviously converting the center clearances or the clearances into scoring opportunities. We haven't quite nailed that yet. It's a, often, um, you know, long kicks in, but what I've really liked about Newcomb all year, and it was on, it was evident today. Cause he had a disposal efficiency of about 86 and a half, I think, um, he is using the ball a lot better this year, I think, than previous than previously, and um and that that's that next step in his evolution as a midfielder. Um, and he's impacting the scoreboard. Um, I think he's scored five or six goals already this year. Uh, if he can get chip in and get one every week, that's huge. Uh, we don't have a lot of avenues to go. Um, and you know, we need to uh, try to expand the ones that we do have. So um I give him a seven and a half out of ten. Actually, no, I'm gonna bump that up to an eight. Um, and I thought, yeah, he was he was one of our shining lights.
1: Go Pete. Where's number four for Hawthorne, seven disposal be nine and eight, two marks, four tackles. He had went at 65% disposal efficiency, had two contested possessions, he had five turnovers, two intercept possessions, he had once goal assist, two score involvements, 271 metres gained. He had four tackles. He had uh, zero centre bounce attendances. I thought he, uh, <coughs> excuse me, like many of his teammates, very quiet first half, Thought uh, uh, one of several who improved markedly in the second half.
2: That. Yeah, he, he had a a lot more dash in that in that second half, had a really costly turnover in the third quarter. But I think it's his worst game for the year, but he's set the bar really high this year. So I don't want to judge him too harshly because definitely not one of our worst out there. But, um, you know, just in, in, in a game where the team had a case of the collective fumbles, he was um, very much, you know, uh, a... Just, just a bit just a bit loose and, and frantic. And I think there's a lot of frantic energy there, especially in the back line. Um, so, yeah, not the best game for Jars for the year, but he's, he's for me, a walk-up start every week at the moment. And is he one of those bridging players like Harry Morrison, who's going to be the bridge, you know, one of those really handy, great players that that's probably not good enough to be in the next sort of premiership team, but um, good for now. So... Yeah, Jars gets a pass mark for me, five and a half, but it, he he's had a good year.
1: James Walpole, number five, 26 disposals, 13 and 13, two marks, five tackles, 66% defensive half of the ground, 62% disposal efficiency, 10 contested possessions, nine turnovers, uh, one intercept possession. I just want to check something. Um, as you talk about him, uh, Danny, he had uh, 389 meters gained, six clearances. He had uh, 14 centre bounce attendances. I just want to check one other stat while you give a general overview.
0: Yeah, actually, um, another one of those players that I thought sort of had to warm into the game, and um, we we obviously got smashed in the first half and came came back uh, with a lot of vigour after halftime, which is very like this year. But um, you know. I uh, I think I asked last week on the pod, I just wanted Warpool to get his disposal efficiency up above 60. He's done that. The issue is now the nine turnovers. We can't be having nine turnovers from a single player in a game. Um, So he needs to bring that down to sort of five-ish. And then I think you're you're looking at a really good game. I I still thought he was solid. Um, He wasn't his best, but, you know, Again, part of the unit, the midfield unit, that's um, that's you know really applying themselves with six six clearances in total and five tackles. Um, that's a that's a fairly decent day out to couple with his twenty six disposals. So uh, I'm going to give him uh, six and a half out of ten. Four turnovers
1: in the first quarter. That was the stat I wanted to check. That's uh, in that tardy first quarter by pretty much everyone on the Hawthorne team. James Sicily, 27 disposals, 15 and 12, eight marks, three tackles, 96% disposal efficiency, 13 contested possessions. He had six turnovers, 10 intercept possessions. He had 501 metres gained, two clearances, um, nine rebound fifties, 103 fantasy points for those who play. Um, Daz, let's skip her
2: um he's not making it easy for me to to rank him every week I've I've spoken about the body language and uh, you know I think you know he, he gave it a crack today but there were a couple moments where he was just caught in absolute no man's land um one in the first quarter and Petty took a mark in the pocket and then again in the second quarter uh where Pickett managed to get some really easy separation and get an easy mark and you know sis is at his best when he's playing loose uh, and he's not being uh held accountable to a man and that's his game but the position that he's been asked to play the 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 way the backline is so dysfunctional still you know he's got to's got to take a, a bit of um a bit of accountability for that uh, because there were many instances in that game when he was um, just caught up in absolute no man's land and um, just not not working hard enough to to get to a man, so uh, I thought it was another poor game that the stats are going to mask
0: um, for Sis. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a five. The other thing, just before we move on, the other thing the stats lie about, I think, often with Sis is. Like his disposal efficiency is 96% or something like that. But often it's long bombs to a contest. Now they register as an effective disposal unless it's a straight turnover, but it's often not a great outcome for the Hawks. And we often lose the ball once it hits the ground. So uh, just put that out there.
1: Tam Frost, his 150th game. I sent a message on our WhatsApp group uh, as I settled in for my seat for the afternoon. Melbourne fans in the MCC already bagging Sam Frost. Going to be a long afternoon. I might get arrested. Well, the last part was hyperbole, but Melbourne supporters, uh, they were just ready for him all afternoon. And he did disappoint with a bit of frosty ball. 12 disposals, 7-5, 3 marks, 2 tackles, 84% dis- uh, defensive half, 92% disposal efficiency, which is actually not too bad for... Frosty, but there are a couple of times. The the turnovers bit by Frosty, it's not the volume of the the turnovers and the howls, it's the quality and the and the time when they happen. I guess that's the the frustration. Um he had no goal assist, no score involvement. He really was went to the back half of the ground, 122 meters gained. Uh Danny. Yeah,
0: no Neither here nor there uh, with Frost's game. Um, look, like you said, he, whenever he does a bad thing, it seems to just like, just really, really stand out. Not, there was one effort which resulted in Cosy Pickett's goal, which I thought um, he completely misjudged the flight of the ball coming in. Um, Pickett sort of just judged it better. Oh, looking at it in real time and then watching it back on replay, I thought he could have done a lot better. And I thought normally he would. I think the other thing is, Melbourne went really tall um, and we were lucky, I guess, is the right term, that Harrison Petty got injured and had to be subbed out, only for then James Blank to be subbed out as well. But um, we got killed uh, up forward in terms of Melbourne just kept pumping it into the same area and Van Royen or Gorn or Grundy or Petty or whoever it was, they were just taking it in turns to, um, to to take marks or create really good contests, which their smalls got around as well. So um, can't get a, a good mark from me. I'll give him a five, and that's just because it was his 150th game.
1: Vanquoth, GF, number nine, 16, disposal, 10, six, three marks, three tackles. 62% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions. He had four turnovers, five intercept possessions, three marks, 207 metres gained. Um, CJ, I thought started okay. He was very vibrant early, but then was pretty quiet afterwards. I'm thinking, I wouldn't be surprised if he's carrying some sort of injury. He's just, it's just not working for him. Doesn't have the fluency in his game. Um, it's good to have him back, but I'm just not sure where he's at the minute. I know a couple of very critical of him in our group um, about his output at the moment. Darren, this is your account this week.
2: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm very much of this, we're a better side when CJ's in it. Um, and I think it's because he works really hard all game um he's in in and involved he does a lot of the you know ball hits the deck he's there he turned it over i think three times in that game and they all were spectacular turnovers and i think everyone remembers those but it's the one percenters and the little things that cj does that i think makes us a better side with him in it um He's, I think he's got a bit of the Dylan Moores this year in that he's just trying too hard. Um, and it's not yeah, working we'll for talk, him. A,
1: I want to talk about Dylan Moore in a bit more detail. So, yeah.
2: Well, the harder he tries, I think the more it doesn't work for him. And he's very fumbly this year. I don't know sort of what's going on there. And I think a big, a big factor in why we've kind of gone backwards, it seems, in our performances is, um, you know, that group that the Dylan Moores, the CJs, etc. I think are just, very much down on on last year, but does he have the skills and the talent and the drive and the passion and everything you want to be in the next premiership team? I think absolutely, and I think we've just got to persist with him. Um, he's still 23 years old. I think people forget that because he's been in the system for a long time and it took him a long time to develop. So I'm always going to defend CJ and. I think the costly turnover is really um, you know, they're, they're spec- spectacular and we focus on that. But I I I think he, we are we are a better side with him in it. So I'm gonna give him a um I'm gonna give him a five and a half. At
1: Twelve disposals in the first half, four in the second. Captain Carl, Amon at uh... Number 10 for or 19 disposal, 13-6, three marks, two tackles, did not score, 85% defensive half, one contested possession, three turnovers, uh, two scoring involvements. nearly took a brilliant high mark at one stage. Uh, didn't think they had that in his uh, arsenal when he came across to the club. Um, 366 metres gained that uh, three re- rebound 50s. That is about
0: the sum total of his game, Danny. Yeah and that Mark was ill advised. <laughs> like there was no cover at the back. If they if you didn't if you didn't mark it or at least make contact that's over the back and probably a demon demon goal. So um yeah, in, interesting time to think think that you know, you're you're Cyril Rioli, um in the back half, but um look it wasn't it wasn't uh Carl's best game um at the Hawks, but um I think he's been overall a really solid addition to this team and he's definitely our number one wingman. Um I'll give him a five and a half. I thought he was okay, but there was nothing to write home about. But then other than the sort of midfield unit, there was probably nothing to write home about across the board this week. So um, yeah, five and a half for Carl. Number 11, Connor Nash, fast becoming a favorite
1: here at Hawks and Siders. 27 disposals, seven kicks, 20 handballs, one mark, four tackles, uh, 56% offensive half, 78% disposal efficiency, nine contested possessions, Three turnovers, three intercept possessions, one score involvement, one mark which was contested, two hundred and three meters gained, one of his four clearances was a centre clearance. He had um, nineteen centre bounce attendances, which I think puts him the makes him the clubhouse leader at the moment. Darren.
2: Yeah, it was a good game from Connor, and you know he's continuing. He's having a bit of a purple patch at the moment, I think in terms of stats. Didn't feel like he imposed himself in the contest as much as he had over the past few weeks. Um, but as part of that midfield, I think if you look at our team, obviously that midfield unit is the one that's really gelling at the moment. And I wouldn't do anything to to mess with that. Nash, Newcomb, Day, Warple, they're all really complementing each other so well. And um, just all have different traits and attributes. And, um, yeah, really liking what Connor's bringing every week. And he's just got to got to keep going. Wasn't as damaging as he's been. He wasn't as physical as he's been. But, um, you know, the, the, the stats uh, don't lie in his case. He had, he had another really productive game. So I'm going to give him a seven and a half.
1: Oh, sorry, that's a little bit high. But anyway. Maybe seven. Yeah. Number 12, Will Day, 29 disposals, 10 kicks, 19 handballs, one mark, three tackles, 69% disposal efficiency, 14 contested possessions. He had seven turnovers, five intercept possessions, three score involvements, 294 metres gained, uh, five clearances, three of them were centre clearances. He had 17 centre-bouncer tennises. I think that makes him number two for the day. Um, Danny, he's the fan favourite now. He His career arc is going along beautifully. I thought he's been untidy with the footy and the stats, so some of those numbers bear that out a little bit, but still a pretty good game. Arguably Hawthorne's best player on the day.
0: Yeah, he's a star on the rise, isn't he, Will Day? Hawk's inside his own Will Day. Or well, he's um, also afl.com.au's uh, own yeah, Will Yeah, just Day. piggybacking. Very,
1: Cal, Cal did a very good interview with him. He might have got a couple of questions from uh, talking to a certain journalist in his research <laughs> beforehand. But uh, if you haven't seen on afl.com, really good chat to
0: Will Day as well. Nearly as good as his chat with us. Yeah, nearly is the key word there. But um Will is definitely and no wonder no wonder the mainstream media want a piece of him now. Um we obviously got him very early, but um, you know, he is legitimately the best player in the Hawth- at the Hawthorne Footy Club. And um you're absolutely right. I was I was gonna come and talk about Will and talk about you know we know what he can do now now we need to work out how where he goes to to get better the next step is to be a bit cleaner to be able to un, understand and navigate his way through the attention that he's going to inevitably continue to receive um and and try to use the ball more by foot than he does by hand um you know he is when he's in a bit of space when he has the opportunity he's a great user of the ball by foot we don't have a lot of those players so he's the one that we want to see kicking the ball inside 50. Um, and at the moment, you know, if we got a, a split of 10 and 19 kicks to handballs, that's too many that's weighted too yeah, heavily. Needs to be, he needs to be yeah. using the ball by football. It needs to be the other way around. Like we're we're happy for Connor Nash to get his 1920 handballs, but not Will Day. Yeah. So um, you know, that's probably the next area of his game he works on is try to change the balance of his disposals and also then try to use it a little bit better. But like my my goodness, his his rise from, you know, half back flanker that people were questioning last year because of injury and a little bit of inconsistency to straight up Hawthorne's best player inside nine rounds is unreal. Phenomenal. Uh, I'll give him a seven and a half. Um and I thought I thought he was I thought he was fantastic. And and actually I think I might have given John Newcomb an eight before, did I? Um, well, then I have to give Will Day an eight because I actually thought Will Day was slightly better than John Newcomb. So there you go, you get an eight. Now, with thanks,
1: well, sorry. Now, with thanks to our friends at Ticket Blaster, we gave four medallion club seats, or well, four medallion seats as they're probably better known, to the weekend's game. We gave them away to Friends of Hawks Insiders. So thank you to our friends at Ticket Blast, which is nearly 20 years old, and have the best tickets and packages around for all your favourite sporting events, including Hawks games, anywhere in Australia. Well, at Hawthorne only plays Australia, so therefore self-evident. Thanks again to them for their support, the tickets, and uh, look them up on the interwebs, on the Information Superhighway, or just reach out to us as well to... For more information and to see what they have available, but if you want to get tickets to a sporting event, they're the chaps to talk to. And we thank them as always for their support of us here at Hawks Insiders. Number 13 is Dylan Moore. Uh, 19 disposal, being seven and 12, one mark, four tackles, and... Um, 69% defensive half of the ground, 63% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, two score involvements, 152 metres gained, uh, zero centre bounce attendances, two inside 50s, two rebound 50s, one tackle inside 50. been hinting at this for a while. I said it in the observations piece, which is now online. He is... A man bereft of confidence at the moment. Someone pointing to how hard he's working away from the ball—that might be right. But he's with ball in hand. He has taken, unfortunately, and we hate saying this because he is clearly fa- one of the, you know, the fabric pieces of the club. I'm concerned that you know he's had such a stellar ascent through a couple of years to the vice captaincy of the footy club. Sometimes you know to be a bit selfish in your approach to your footy. I'm a bit worried that being a vice-captain in the club has actually been a retrograde step insofar as his footy is concerned. I think he's sadly out of form. Um, I don't think he should be dropped or anything like that, but I have my concerns about him at the moment. Uh, am I too harsh, Darren?
2: No, I don't think he should be dropped either, but I, I my biggest concern is that whether he's hit a ceiling, um, that's the thing that keeps me up. That night about Dylan Moore, Um, I think. I think to his credit though, he knows he's in not a great period of form, but he's working super hard. Um, He's, I think, he had twenty five pressure acts, just you know working up and down the ground. He's kind of like in no man's land though, between forward and back. He's just kind of not on the wing. It's hard to know what position he's playing, and maybe he's been given jobs that I'm, you know, probably too simple-minded about football to understand, but uh, it just feels like he's a bit in no-man's land at the moment. And for Dylan Moore, we want him to be kicking goals. We want him to be laying tackles and getting involved and, you know, being aggressive and just just kind of not seeing that. It's just, just another real kind of nothing... Game of hard graft um with no goals to show for it and very li- little attacking intent so yeah it's um he's in a hole and he's just trying to dig himself out of it and trying really hard to his credit
1: he um last year about Dylan Moore, he, he was a birth midfielder he could run through the midfield um and provide some spark and he was good at it. We we, you know, speculated is he going to be part of the midfield rotation full time going forward? Cause he's clearly too good just to be playing as a small, you know, deep, small, deep forward. Um so whether they've got him more playing as a as a high half forward at the moment or, you know, pushing up into the wings and even into half back, but it's just not working for him at the moment. A couple of times with ball in hand, right obviously in the mcc members, a couple of times on our wing, um on saturday just just very shaky made poor decisions fumbled very family cj's in the same boat it's amazing the two of them were so close uh and uh, such great mates both sort of taking a bit of a backward step this year just as their star was supposed to have risen danny i just want to get your thoughts on dylan moore before we move on
0: yeah i think sometimes when you take on a leadership role like you said ash um there's an adjustment period and i think we're seeing that with dylan moore i'm not so worried. I know Weesey said it uh, last week or the week before. Daz has um, sort of said, suggested it there. I'm not worried that he's reached his ceiling. I think I think we'll see the form we saw last year. I just think maybe it's taking a little bit of time for him to um, adjust to the different expectations of being in a leader at an elite sporting club, um, you know, I've done it at a very local community level, stepping up um, into captaincy at a young age and it, it it's very all consuming. Um, it takes a lot of your brain space. It takes a lot, of, and it takes a little while to adjust to the expectations and the responsibilities. So my thought is he just needs to find that balance within balancing his uh, responsibilities as a leader and his responsibilities as a footballer. And I think maybe we might see the, the sort of the better side of that in the back half of the year. Um, but yeah, there is, that is a real thing. And I think, you know, he's doing it at quite a young age and um, you know, it's, it, it, it just takes some adjustment and look, it, the form's not great. Uh, but you know, these calls for him to be dropped can get in the bin, honestly. Um, he's he, even at this stage, he's still one of our best um, 22 players so I I don't want to hear that but um, yeah I'd like to see him just be a little bit cleaner and just yeah get a little bit more reward for effort
1: uh, Danny I'll keep the mic going Blake Hardwick 24 disposals 12 and 12 6 marks 2 tackles um, 75% disposal efficiency 5 contested possessions 5 turnovers 8 intercept possessions 5 score involvements all his marks were uncontested. 450 meters gained, one clearance, eight rebound fifties, uh, five on percenters.
0: It was. I didn't realise until looking at the stats, prepping for this uh, recording, that he had 24 had the footy 24 times. That that kind of surprised me. I didn't I didn't notice him that much, but um I thought he was solid enough. I just um yeah I didn't realise he'd had it. 24 times. It's one of our leading disposal getters on the field. So um, look, um, I think he's in pretty decent form, Blake Hardwick. Um, it w- wasn't a, a game that I'd just go, yep. Yeah, like that's the dimmer Hardwick. Um, but yeah, no, he was, he was pretty solid six and a half out of 10 for me.
1: Lockie Bramble, number 16, 14 disposals, eight and six, four marks, a tackle, 62% disposal, at uh, defensive half, five contested possessions, He had three turnovers, one intercept possessions, two score involvements, one score assist, 208 metres gained. He came onto the ground midway through the second quarter when James Blank could not run due to a corked quad. I thought he did okay. I thought he did okay, I think. And we'll talk about a player who might have gone past him from a similar sort of role a bit later in the podcast. But uh, I didn't think – I saw some – Flashes of Bramble that we all loved back in 2021 uh, on Saturday day. Yeah, I
2: thought he was good. I, th- I thought he was um, a big reason for one of the reasons for our turnaround in that third quarter. And he used the footy pretty well and on a day where most of our players uh, weren't doing that. So he had a beautiful delivery to Bruce um, with a lot of depth on that kick over in the third quarter that um, led to a goal I, – I, I think he had a really really good game, and he's find, finding a role as an impact sub. I don't think it's a role that anyone really wants. But um, he's he's coming on and having an impact. So yeah, can't really ask for more than that. And um, I, I'm not sure where his place is in the team long term, or you know whether he is one of those transitional players, or whether he's going to get a lot of minutes barring an injury um, on another player. But yeah, he, he he did all right. So I'm going to give him a... I mean, it's it's three quarters, so it's another top one to rate, but five and a half, not six. I'm going to give him a six.
1: Lloyd Meek, 14, disposals, three and 11, one mark, six tackles, kicked a goal, his first for Hawthorne. He had uh, two turnovers, two in set possessions, three score involvements. He had... Two clearances. One of those was a centre clearance, um, 20 hit outs uh, from 63, 20 centre at bad sentences, 63 ruck contests. Um, obviously, we're, with Ned Reeves being the late withdrawal that everyone knew was coming, um, it, was all, it was going to be a long afternoon. We feared a bloodbath, uh, like many Hawthorne supporters with WhatsApp groups, it would have been a long discussion about. My God, what are Gorn and Grundy going to do to poor old Lloyd Meek? But I actually thought he played a great game. And if I was doing best players, he would have made the Hawthorne best players. I thought he battled game, game, gamely. I don't think Gorn and Grundy, uh, Gorn and Grundy influenced the game as they could well have. Um, I think he was entitled to think it was a pretty good day, apart from King's first goal for Hawthorne. Second. I think he would think it was a second, was it? Uh okay. We second goal fourth, on it and they got about him. They got about him like it was his first. Um, I think it was a pretty good day at the office for him, and he should be well pleased. And uh, they just want to get continuity. They get him and start getting him and Reeves to play because Reeves is coming good as well. I mean, where we talk about improvement in the Footy Club, the rucks is one position where it's coming from. Uh, anyway, that's enough. What I think. What do you think,
0: uh, Danny? No, he's spot on. I'm nodding. Feverishly away here in the in the corner. Um, I I'm actually glad that it was. Look, you don't want players to miss, but I feel like Lloyd Meeks' competitive nature, his sort of ability to get around the ground, made it a bit easier for him to compete against Gorn and Grundy. That is a mouthful. Um, than it might have been for Ned Reeves. Um he battled manfully. I think you're you're absolutely right, Ash. I thought it was a really good game and a really positive step. Um, you know, if you look at those stats, you know, 14 touches, 20 hit outs, six tackles and a goal, if he has a partner in crime to battle, um, you know, the a premier ruck duo in in, in Ned Reeves, then the, the Hawks probably break even more at the hit outs. they probably win the clearances by more than they did. So, um, I just, I'm just really looking forward to the day that they both put it together at the same time. Um, and we see a game where, you know, they both have sort of those sorts of stats. And I think you watch the Hawks win that game when they do. And I think you're absolutely right. One of those steps forward for this football club is those rucks and they offer, a. there's a lot of promise there, just got to get it to happen in reality. So um, I'll give him a seven and a half out of 10. I thought he was very good. I'm, I'm, this is the sort of thing that we see from Meek. Then we go, okay, that's why the Hawks chased him.
1: Chad Wingard, eight disposals, three and five, four marks. Uh, did not score. Um, 63% defensive half of the ground, 62% disposal efficiency, two contested possessions, one turnover, uh, four marks one score involvement, 80 metres gained. Um, the coach has been defending him. Even the coach now says that he is not in the form that he would like to be in. I don't want this to be a pile-on for Chad Wingard, who is self-evident. He is struggling at the moment. Um, his Hawthorne career is probably, his long-term future Hawthorne is probably hanging the balance now. Um There is evidence to suggest that, uh, and I'll put this in the observations, that next week we may see wind guard brackets managed on the ins and outs. I think next week against West Coast is a really good opportunity to look at Brockman, Butler, and Bruce and whoever else in the small forward and to see how that goes, especially if Meek uh, and Breeze don't both play alongside with Lewis there as well. I a bit sorry for him. It's just not working out for him. I think he's trying. I just think he's. it's just nothing is going his way at the moment. He was well on those forwards, I think, before I hand over to you, Daz. The delivery didn't help either, to be honest. I mean, it wasn't a great day to be trying to get a kick in the Hawthorne forward line and that probably a contributing factor, but uh, he's battling.
2: Yeah, but as opposed to Dylan Moore and Chancroth Giaus, he's not working hard enough. And he had three pressure acts for the game, zero tackles in a game where we had we just our forward pressure was just non-existent. He it was like having a a, a man less in that forward line with Wingard. Shocking miss in the third quarter. You know, Jared Rufford went back to Box Hill, and Jared Rufford's had. 100 times the career that Chad Wingars had so if if he thinks he's too good to go back to Box Hill and work on his craft and work hard to get back in this team then maybe he sh- should think about another club next year because um I will be disappointed if it's arrested or a managed next week for Chad. He's got to go back to Box Hill, find his form, do the hard yards and get back in the team like anyone else. And he's not a, he's not, not, you know, he's he's I know he comes with a big reputation. he's got a lot of skills that ninety nine point nine percent of AFL footballers don't have, but he's not in the form that warrants selection in in um, the senior list. And I got in a lot of trouble for saying for giving him a two last week on Twitter, but it's he'll be he's actually lucky to get a two today. That's my take.
1: I mean, that's gesticulate, Danny, what do you think? You can actually... You,
0: no, I'm, respect. I'm... I'm I'm. I am absolutely with Daz. Um, the effort's not there. And then, and then you see when he actually does get his hands on the ball, the decision-making's poor. And then when he makes a decent decision, the execution's sloppy. I mean, he kicked the ball out on the full from 15 metres out on a standing start, like... You know if that doesn't scream a player A bereft of confidence and B just absolutely down on his luck, I don't know what does. So um I'm I'm with I'm with Darren. I, I think players can control the things that they can control. You can't control your form, but you can control your effort and your intent. And I don't think he gives enough of it. So um he casts that sort of dejected type sort of, I don't know, figure, um, which can't be good for everybody. And I think. We're going to get on to Luke Bruce, but I think it ties in because Luke Bruce looks like he's running through quicksand when the ball hits the ground. He doesn't chase at all. He doesn't put on any forward pressure. If we've got two of those in the same team, and then you add in like a big resting ruck and Mitch Lewis, that ball's coming out of there quicker than it's going in. And we can't have that. We're not a good enough team defensively to be able to cop that. So Wingard has a role and he's not playing it. So I'd rather see somebody else come in and have a crack. It's a good point, Annie,
2: because we've got two forwards, two small forwards in there that are, as pressure forwards, just completely non-existent. And the, the 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 fact remains that two weeks in a row now we got just got absolutely killed at the ball coming out of the coming out of um, of the opposition's backline. So those guys aren't going to be accountable if they're not going to do the hard things. If they just want to have easy goals over the top, which Chad had a lot of last year. When he did get good service, then you know we we put some young players in and, and 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 young hungry players to to do the hard things. They may not have the same level of skill and pedigree and all Australian blazers and premierships, but at least they'll 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 give a hundred percent effort. And you know maybe it's maybe their bodies are failing them. I'm not sure, but um, it's like playing with with two men down in that forward line at the moment.
1: So Bruce had seven disposals, two kicks, five handballs, kicked a goal, four tackles, um, 86% disposal efficiency, um, one intercept possession, three score involvements, 63 metres gained. Um, yeah, he kicked that goal in the third quarter. Uh, discussed more. My concern with Luke Bruce, it was happening a bit last year. Teams don't really respect him anymore. Um he will occasionally uh, th- th- well, the right move. He'll be in the right place to kick a great goal He kick three goals against the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago, and then was managed last week against Fremantle. But you put a, a small, speedy defender on him, and he's going to leave. He's going to leave Brucey sadly in his dust. So one of them can't keep. I'm not sure the team can carry both of them for the rest of the season. Um, and it's you know, Wingard Well, it, again, it just didn't work out. The trade that uh, Clarko thought was a good idea at the time. Luke Bruce was an icon of the footy club. You know, he chose who has chosen to finish his career at Hawthorne, and we admire him and salute him for that. But it's not quite working out at the moment either. Danny, you got a rating for him?
0: Yeah, I do. It's a three. Um, and it's it, it's sad. I, I mean, I don't want to be talking about like this about any player let alone a player who i grew up just idolizing and um you know i shouldn't say grow up i mean he's probably the same age he's a bit younger than me so but um but you know that we've watched from a distance and just absolutely love but the reality is he can't move he can't move Um, So if he gets the ball on the lead, if he takes a clever, he's still very, very smart, right? So his body shape, the way he moves in the air to protect the drop zone of the ball, you know, like he's very clever, but as soon as the ball hits the deck and and his his opposition player picks it up, like it's game over. And like you said, we can't afford to have uh, two non-chasing players in our forward 50. I'd argue with this team, I don't think we can afford to have one, but, you know Luke Bruce has earned i guess a little bit of a stay of execution ahead of ahead of Chad Wingard for me I'd have Chad Wingard out of the team next week but if if this is the kind of output we're getting from Luke Bruce I hate to say it but then by the end of the year he shouldn't be in the team either and no, really? we should we should be playing Brockman Butler um and and somebody else you know um yeah, yeah I really want to see Butler and
1: Brockman play on Butler to get a, uh, we'll talk about Butler shortly. I'll, you know, I'll see Butler get a run of four games where he knows he's he's going to be in the side, irrespective of what goes on. Uh, speaking of another guy he didn't chase, at least early on, uh, J- Jacob Kosicki, eight disposals, three and five, kicked a behind. Did you like my message to the group?
2: Oh, Ash, you're, um, you're a hard man on Cozzy. <laughs> you always have been. But uh, what what was it?
1: Hands of stone, feet of slate. <laughs> he missed oh, that, that shot. Is, that in the is first quarter. It was just so predictable. It's... You just knew. You just knew he was going to miss it.
2: I know. It's a, he's such a confidence player. Knew he was I miss just...
1: it. it was just so sad. I mean, if he kicked that goal again, it didn't make. They would have been up and about, and because he's a popular player with the group, and it would have been. All 18 blades would have run to him and got around him, and it would have got the crowd excited and what have you, and just so just sailed so to the left. God, here we go again. I'm Phil. Sorry, i thought in the second half, he, and you know, I thought his first half like so many was really, really poor. Um, I thought his second half, he at least he one stage he actually he hit he ran through someone in the second half. He he made a couple of them blokes earn a kick. So I think he got rocket at halftime and. Someone just said, just go around and hurt some bugs and just use your, use your physicality, be physical. So, from that aspect, I thought it was a better second half from him. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, he had two, one goal assist, two score involvements. He had uh, seven contested possessions. So, that's something things had on city meters gained, um, 16 rack contests, and he had three hit outs. Uh, who are we up to?
2: me unfortunately because yeah. I've been one of the big cosy defenders and I keep talking about his age and he's going to come right and then every game he gets back in the he <laughs> makes me pay so I know where you're coming from Ash and it's it's hard to disagree really at this point but just taking him out of the sighting putting him back at box Hill, what what kind of message does that send that if you if you make mistakes and you you know, it was a hard day. It was a hard day for forwards. I would have loved to, for him to kick that goal. And I think that would have set the tone for the day for him. Um, I, I, I still think there's something there. I just, I think too, though, maybe the Ford experiment is just, we've just got to maybe develop him into the the key backman that he was drafted as. Um, and you, you, you look at the other end and you look at Van Rooyen and, how quickly he's come on as a key forward. And maybe that's the solution draft key forwards, instead of trying to turn uh, kids that have played uh, full back their entire careers, try and turning them and try turning them into forwards. Maybe that's just, it, it doesn't work. And in the case of Emerson, Jacker don't take a forward and turn them into a half backman. So yeah, I, I feel bad for Cosy Cause again, another player in absolute hole, but I agree. He did come out and, uh, Put his body around. I think he took Jakey Lever out as well at some point. So I'm going to give him three.
1: Dan McKenzie, 14 disposals, seven and seven, three marks, two tackles. His first goal in the brown and golds. 64% offensive half, 86% disposal efficiency. uh, Four contested possessions, one turnover, uh, four score involved, one goal assist, four score involvements. 213 metres gained, one clearance, as I said. Uh, he had seven centre-bounce attendances. I was starting to think that the Hawks are a bit like an ice hockey team where you, you have sort of shifts. First shift for Hawthorne is um, is Day and Nash and Warple and Newcomb, And the second shift will be guys like Ward and McKenzie and uh, one or two others whose names escape me at the moment, who that's how it's going to work. Eventually, fourth, and you find Rawls from elsewhere in the, on the ground and they come and do their shift in the middle. Um, like the goal, because he's had a couple of opportunities and he's fought until now. He, uh, again, showed enough to me, that, uh, Danny, that he should not play too many more games at Box Hill.
0: No, I, I agree. Um, I, I really like the way he moves and people have commented on it that it it reminds them of a young Sam Mitchell. And I think you might have said that, Ash, early doors. And, well, the, and the hair and the numbers.
1: The, yeah, but it's
0: it's also the it's also the sort of the the upright stance when he runs. Um he's obviously a fair bit bigger than Sam Mitchell, but there's something about the way he moves too that looks very Mitchell-esque. And he uses the ball really well. You don't often see him turn it over. So he went at like eighty-six percent. Uh, today he had he kicked a goal he had a goal assist he had four score involvements um you know he only got it 14 times you'd love for him to get it 24 times um but this is a guy in his like sixth game um you know it's it's solid i'm i'm going to give him a 5 um i i see i see what he could be um with cam mckenzie and i think it's a 250 game player that uses the ball really smartly really well um, when he gets it and you can't have too many of those. So I think eventually he takes over from Warpool or or Connor Nash as a midfielder, but that's in like, you know, at, at the earliest in a full year's time at, at the latest in a couple of years time. Rating. Uh, I think I said five. five okay. Yeah.
1: Five. Uh, Sam Butler, number 30, talked to him briefly already. 14 disposal, six and eight, four marks, two tackles, kicked a goal. Um, 10 contested possessions, four turnovers, two intercept possessions, five score involvements, one goal assist. He had 127 metres gained, two tackled, both of them inside 50s, had three inside 50s. Um, I wrote this in the observations. I've never been as much of a fan of his as some others. I haven't quite seen it in him. And I know that the club's already given him, locked him away for another two years. So they're clearly fan. And I'm probably thinking for the, lock him up for the post Luke Bruce era. So I sort of get all that. But watching him closely on Saturday, I just saw glimpses and I can't even describe what they were or, or in any adequate fashion. But I just saw enough there to suggest that he is worth persevering with. He still could yet be a player. He likes the physical side of the game. He is clearly talking about the lack of forward pressure there, that he could be a solution to that. So I am not aboard the Sam Butler bandwagon yet, Darren, but I am looking to online to buy some tickets.
2: Yeah, and you sh- and you should buy him Ash because he worked really hard that game. I don't know if you've noticed this, but he was up there with Ed Langdon as um, covering the most distance on the ground, fourteen point seven k's to Ed Langdon's fourteen point nine, which is super impressive. Um, and that's a, that's a stat that you that you'd want to see out of a player in their second year. He you know doubled the tackle tally of Chad. Um, you know, put himself about. Probably should have kicked two goals. He he missed a really easy one, but he's a piss. He an easy
1: one because no one told him he was hot.
2: Yeah, that's that's right. Bit
1: of that happened actually.
2: Yeah, there were there were there are a few moments like that when players just weren't weren't told. Um, and that and that's what I mean also about leadership and that sort of vacuum of leadership, especially in the back line at the moment. Um, but yes, Sammy Butler. I feel has got to keep his place in the side and he's got to get a run. Now he's done enough for me. He's a serial pest, which I really like about small forwards and tenacious player, Um, you know, doubled the possessions of Chad and Bruce. And I think that's because he just worked harder than them all day. And he's the future of um, that mosquito fleet that we have in the forward line. And I'm looking forward to see him actually working in tandem with um Brockman and and also Fergus Green, I hope, gets another chance to come back in next week. So um, I'm going to give um, Sammy Butler, just for running, running his ass off, uh, a six.
1: A six. Very good. Jay's Blake had two one disposal, two tackles before getting injured. We're not going to bother with a ranking for him. But unfortunate, it was his chance, the first one of a while against a, a team with uh, several tall forwards. He's got a core quad. We'll find out during the week what they're thinking is Around that, we'll find that out around, I guess, on Tuesday. But we just certainly liked, in theory, the idea of having two key defenders to free Sicily up as the third defender. But they've just got issues in the back line, they can't get the right mix there. It means Grimshaw getting squeezed out. They've got too many similar types of players, none of them are stars. They've got a bit of work to do defensively. Kate Simpson is having a very rough first year as the defensive coach. At the footy club. Okay, we're going to get to two of the, finish off with two of the bright spots of the day that I thought anyway. Number 37 is Josh Weddle. 15 disposals, five and 10, four marks, one tackle, a humongous, would have been a super goal in the old uh, Wizard Cup, Danny. Would have been worth nine points that goal. Don't you worry about Forget that. about the super goal. 55 metres out from goal. 80% defensive half, uh, two contested possessions, 93% disposal efficiency. Um four turnovers, three intercept possessions, 394 meters gained. Um, I don't have the stats, data. If you want to look up while we talk about him, how far he ran, because he's got this huge tank that was nice about Josh Weddle was that he covered the ground beautifully and he was running really hard and presenting at the end of the game. The the uh the uh fitness tests he went at the start of the year, uh It's evident why he's got a a massive, massive tank. Um, I thought he looked lost a couple of times early on in the game, but uh, improved as the game went on. Really exciting. I just thought it was an exciting development to watch him play. I've had a theory, I don't know if you guys agree, that he's sort of designed to play in the MCG. He just looks like an MCG type of player. Um, And great to see him get that first goal. So I thought it was an encouraging display.
0: Then. Yeah, it definitely definitely was. Um he still played 80% of his game time in the defensive half, but it looks like a freer role than what he's had previously, which he's been on the last line the last couple of weeks. So, um to see him getting up, to see him getting involved in the play, to see him being able to kick his first AFL goal, which kudos to him and cam McKenzie this uh this week. Um yeah, it was just it was really encouraging and and 15 disposals doesn't jump off the page, but um But, you know, it's important that these guys feel the footy. They they get used to playing at AFL level. And I think you and I, Ash, talking off air, you know, that um, you just got to keep him in the team and find a spot for him and find, um, you know, roles for him to be able to learn on the fly because clearly he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, He's a prototypical AFL size. Um, He runs all day. Um, But, you know, they just need to find that that right spot for him as he develops. I think you can clearly see what the ceiling looks like. Um, I'm giving him a, a a six for this, this week. Um, and, you know, more of that, please. If we can keep getting that every week and then slowly incremental improvements on it, um, then, you know, we're going to be really happy as fans. You yeah, push him to a wing and
1: do they squeeze Morrison out? And then you bring one of, and then you bring Scrimshaw back into the back line
0: i mean if you're asking me i would um i i'm not sure um that our coaching staff and selection team will do that because um i think they value the experience and leadership in those wing positions which are important positions on the field but i mean you know i would like to see the experience. I mean, we've got nothing to lose, right? And if you're going to do it, if you're going to pull the trigger on it this week against West Coast down in Tassie is probably the the right time to do it. They're like if we're not going too well, they're you know, they're not they're not any better. um, so i'd be I'd be absolutely doing it. He might be playing against some waffle reserves player this week. So um yeah, pull the trigger on it, and just please, whatever you do, get Jack Scrimshaw back in the team.
1: yeah, wrote in the um. Observations I would like someone that I'd like the, the coach to swallow some truth serum this week and tell us what's going on with both Scrimshaw and um DGB. Okay, the last player is the player that when he was drafted, he just cried out as exactly the sort of player Hawthorne needed. The 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 raps on Seamus Mitchell were that he could run. And he was a smart decision maker, and you could use the footy and use the footy at speed. And it's all coming true. And, you know, it looked like he was going nowhere, and he was on everyone's list to be cut at the end of this season. But here we are after three games. He is probably going to be Hawthorne's first rising star nomination for the I think he still uh, just gets it there in his third season. Usually, in the third year, play, you can still get it, uh, a nomination. 27 disposals, 15-12, 8 marks, 1 tackle, 75% defensive half, 63% disposal efficiency, 4 contested possessions, 7 turnovers, 7 intercept possessions. He had 8 marks, all uncontested, 383 metres gained, 9 rebound 50s. Um, I am warming to Seamus Mitchell very quickly, Daz.
2: Oh, me too. And, I, you know, Danny has been the one that's been championing him from day one. So full credit to Danny for seeing that potential. Um, I think, you know, he's obviously had a bad run with injuries, but he's cementing his place in the side. He took a, you know, he's taken that chance with both hands and um, that was clearly his best game. Uh, What I really like about Mitchell is he's always following up his kicks. If it's a short kick, he's... Whizzing past, trying to get a hand a handball and continue continuing the run. Um, he's pretty electric off half back, which is interesting because he was drafted actually as a small sort of forward. So I wonder if that that is he's back there to work on his defensive game or they just prefer him. Um, and I think I think it's actually suiting his game a bit better to be playing behind the ball and to to setting to you know to set us up from the back. Um, but yeah, it's it's why why we're we going to the footy now to see players like Seamus Mitchell come on, and I think he was a player you're talking about, Ash, as a replacement for for Bramble, or having gone past Bramble, I assume.
1: Yeah, I think he has. I think he's gone past Bramble.
2: Yeah, it's not it's not hard hard to see why. And um, you know, as much as I do rate Lockie, I think Seamus just has that elite kicking, that explosiveness, um, that that maybe he doesn't have in his toolkit just yet. Rating? Um, I'm going to give him a seven. Thought he was terrific.
1: It's interesting with Mitchell. He's a shows Mitchell. He's a bit of victory to the conditioning staff and the development staff to get him from where he was. He he must have been very low in confidence at the start of the season, uh, or at the start of pre season, I guess. You know, given he pretty wretched a couple of years at the Footy Club to come through from that stage to where he is now um, you know it was a huge it was, it was a huge selection he came into the Giants game gather around looked very accomplished but you weren't sure but he's so uh, he's he's held his held more than held his own so it's great so it's again the green shoots that third quarter gave the, the you know bloody Hawthorne as I wrote because they're just doing just enough to keep us interested in the season that third quarter and Weddle and McKenzie and Mitchell's Forbes and Meek. So just an, enough reason to believe that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. So, and before we go, any thoughts on the coach?
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, look, it's really hard. We're up against a really good football side. To, um, and, you know, a side that up until today was again, back on the top of the ladder and that'll challenge at the pointy end of the season. So, Um, You know, most of these games, um, other than maybe next week and when we play the Ruse again, um, we're starting from a position um, of not not of strength, um, of weakness. And, um, you know, I thought there was – I thought, yeah, it was a pretty – it sort of played to script. I think, you know, what I was really happy with um, as a fan, I think most fans will agree, uh, was the team coming out after a pretty insipid first half and coming out with real intent in the third quarter. And for a little while there, you thought – I mean, I think um, Daz might have been on the socials during the game, you know, even mentioned it could be the greatest comeback in VFL, AFL history or one, one, of, one of those. Didn't quite make it that far. And in the end, the class of the Ds shone through. But, um, you know, he's Mitchell's obviously, um, you know, given him a rocket at halftime and, and they responded. And I think that that's the most exciting thing because um, young teams are going to have performances against seasoned teams like the Ds, like we had in the first half. But to get that response after halftime and to kick five in the third quarter, um, really, really pleasing to pinch a term from a certain uh, former coach of ours.
2: Yeah, and the difference between this team and a team coached by a certain former coach of ours is we're not rolling over like the other cellar dwellers. Um, I think (laughs) Sammy, Mm -hmm. Sammy, they're obviously responding to Sammy. They're playing for Sammy do I have concerns around how certain lines are functioning and and maybe, you know, there's some assistant coaches that i have spoken about um, being a bit out of their depths at this stage because I've, I feel that the back line is there's just something very, very dysfunctional. I feel like it's the difference between Melbourne and Hawthorne too is that that Melbourne team just know each other's game so well and I think the the, the chopping and changing that's sort of happening and it, and and it's... It has to happen for a rebuilding side. of they've got a, they've got to try different people in different spots. I think that's having an issue as well, uh, an issue in terms of uh, of how we play together as well. So um, it was
1: like watching Hawthorne Melbourne twenty fourteen. So the, the, the jumpers have been swapped now, and uh, Hawthorn Melbourne did to Hawthorne and Hawthorne did to Melbourne for a very long time. It turned out well for Melbourne. Let's see what happens for Hawthorne. So that has been our play review pod. We're heading into a very interesting week. Um, where Hawthorne are expected to win. There's already been talk on uh, the socials from commentators saying this is going to be managed cup, and teams the Hawthorne and uh, West Coast are trying to outmanage each other this week in an endeavour. So Hawthorn West Coast to, to not to win the game, um, but and cover your ears for one minute, Darren. But Hawthorne are a dollar thirty and. Favorites for this one on West Coast are $3.30, which suggests that uh, very few people are giving West Coast a chance to knock over the Hawks this week. But uh, it, it's going to be a very unpleasant world if somehow the Hawks manage to stumble and lose this one. It's going to be an interesting way to see how they handle the expectation. We will talk about it more on our spaces on Thursday night, which I'm looking forward to being back. I've had an absence of a couple of weeks. Looking forward to being back for the spaces Thursday night, which will be a lot of fun and putting you all back in your place and keeping to an hour as one should. Um, Danny, any last words? Uh, is that like how you kept tonight's pod to an hour? <laughs> I think it would have been over. I want to ask you about your Oakland A's cap and how you feel about the move to Las Vegas. Have you got any thoughts? Uh,
0: I'm going to be completely honest, Ash. Um, i Bought this hat because I like the color. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if, if, if you want to talk NBA, I'll talk NBA all day. Other American sports don't quite do it for me, but uh, this cat looked good on the shelf, so I grabbed it. Oh, very good. Very good. Uh, Daz,
1: good to be back talking the Hawks with you once again. Um, Thank everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. We had a couple of good stories. Up on the substack of late, which we'll endeavor to keep going over the next little while. Uh actually Morris got a very good idea for a story, which he's uh, looking at, which if he if that comes through after talking about it on a WhatsApp will be a really good look at some stuff that's going on at Hawthorne at the moment. And there's plenty going on. Don't worry about that. The uh, we'll talk more about the war between the former coach and the and the club at the moment. We'll give that some oxygen, I think, on Thursday night as well because people just want to talk about it. They want to vent and they want to use a bit of a safe space. We'll do that later in the week. Thanks again of our friends at Ticket Blaster for their tickets they gave way to the Melbourne Hawthorne game and there will be more of those hopefully for our loyal fans on Hawks Insiders later on in the season. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, enjoy your week. Watch the third quarter again if you get a chance because that was loads of fun. We'll talk to you on Thursday night. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.